Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Um, didn't start with our usual intro because today we're talking about something a little heavier. Um, we wanted to address physician suicide and specifically resident suicide. And this came from an article I saw in the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, I was just kind of on there looking for recent medical articles and then I ventured into the psych section because mm -hmm. part of our last organ block, neuro, we learned a little bit about psych. And so just seeing what might be new in there, I saw a recent article from, I believe it was February uh, uh, 16th. February 16th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a few days ago, an article came out or at the time of this release, it'll have been like a week and a half. Maybe. Yeah. But um, an article came out about a physician, Dr. Boulay. Dr. Boulay. Yeah. 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 Dr. Boulay. Richard he wrote... Boulay. He wrote about his daughter mm -hmm. who was an ICU or was a resident potentially doing critical care or mm -hmm. something in the yeah. Oh no, sorry, general surgery. General surgery, that's general right. General surgery. Yeah. Um who attempted suicide. Right. But lived. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. So I guess to kind of set the stage just with some quick statistics. One physician per day, on average, commits suicide. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, 43% of residents reported depressive symptoms. Yeah, which, that's a high percentage. That's great. Like, like, that's almost 50%. That's almost one in two people. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it's, it's important to note, too, like, depressive symptoms don't just mean, like, oh, they're tired today or, like, oh, it's been a long day. It's, like, symptoms of depression. Right, yeah. or even it's just been a long week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, this is a, a clinical condition mm -hmm. where we have a whole field of doctors for. Yeah. Yeah, like, a, a doctor, I doubt, is going to... Like, a doctor understands who's... The, the people who are, uh, you know, reporting these uh, statistics, in a way. You know, the people who are being contacted to report data for this statistic, they are doctors. Right. So they know what a depressive symptom is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I guess for this girl in particular, this woman, mm -hmm. um, she had, she started having depression uh, in undergrad. Right. That's kind of what the doctor who wrote the article, her dad, talks about. Yeah. And so, she um, kind of struggled with that for a little bit, but she ended up getting help and mm -hmm. was on medication for it and was in therapy. Yeah, had a system. Had a system, ended up graduating undergrad on time. In med school, she was able to manage things okay. Mm -hmm. um, but then when she got to residency, she was working 5 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Um, yeah, long days. So long, yeah, really long days. And she was in a program that encouraged their residents to lie about how many hours they were reporting. So yeah. traditionally, residency has just been like an absurd amount of hours. And recently, in the last few years, there's been a push to limit the number of hours residents can work to like an 80-hour work week, I think it is. Oh, I thought it was more than that. 100? It might be 100, 100. hours. I'm not sure. We'd have Some, to check it's, that. But I it's, think it's something in there. It's, like, still an absurd amount, yeah. but it's, like, an absurd amount that, like, maybe a human can potentially still do temporarily. Yeah. So, but even still, even if residencies say they have that in place, a lot of 
programs will encourage you to lie about that so that you're reporting the number of hours you should be working, but you're actually working more a lot hours. more hours yeah. than that. And I, yeah. I, you know, can't speak to how um, often that happens, but I can imagine that that is not necessarily a rare thing. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's something that becomes less and less and less common, you know, but... Yeah, well, and that's, like, a reason for us bringing this up is just to spread awareness about mm-hmm. res- resident, ha- like, some of, you know, talking about it is good. Yeah. I, I think that's a note, too, about just becoming a doctor in general. <clears throat> it's, I think it's always been viewed, at least from my own memory of growing up and viewing the career of becoming a physician, as something that seems like this really, really challenging, difficult thing to do. And, and it should be, I mean, to be, to be a physician, it shouldn't be that it is challenging because of you are able to overcome depression. And that's like why you're like taunted as this, or like touted as this like really impressive person you know what I mean it's like it's because you go through really difficult education and like rigorous school and you have learned a lot about your profession but it shouldn't be this it shouldn't be glorified I guess is how I want to say that it shouldn't be glorified as this um position of impressiveness because you don't have a heart anymore you know because you like have just pushed pushed aside your mental health and like oh you can still do your job really well and you and you don't even worry about your mental health you know what I mean am I saying that right I yeah no I I think that's like spot on and I also think that when you have doctors like that who are like oh I got through this and I I don't even worry about my mental health I just shove all that down and I can do my job but like the people who are like that just people in my personal life who I know who are like that have Mm -hmm. like zero capacity for empathy which is like such an oxymoron like okay so we want to train doctors who've gone through really rigorous training Mm -hmm. in that they don't have any regard for their own mental health and their own emotions so how can they relate to their patients at all (laughs) how can they look at a patient who's going through the worst day of their life or maybe every single patient they see that day all 20 patients are going through the worst day of their life Mm -hmm. and the doctor you just get so desensitized to it especially when you don't have any compassion yeah. for yourself well when it comes to things like working the number of hours per week that residents sometimes have to work you you can't like you physically can't think about anything above your physical needs you know it's like maybe you do have a lot of emotional stuff you need to work through and process you know just from the the work that you're doing every day especially if you're working in emergency or ICU I'm sure you see plenty of patients lose their lives and things like that and if you are just so exhausted and hungry and you just need sleep and food, like you don't have time to process everything else. Yeah. And they're still expecting you to come back the next day ready to do it all empathize over and, and sympathize and yeah. care about everything. And it's, it just seems like an almost impossible task. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, kind of going back to the article yeah. um, with this woman. So, um, So she was already working more than the number of hours for Mm -hmm. her general surgery residency. Um, The article mentioned that her program lost four trainees um, in, like, you know, the first however long. So her workload was increased on top of her already massive workload. Um, And her dad, the 
doctor who wrote this article saw that she was like starting to not do very well again and Mm -hmm. so he admitted her to the psych ward and she was able to get six weeks off and she went back after six weeks because she felt an obligation to her program so it didn't say exactly whether or not she was ready it just said she felt obligated to go back which Mm -hmm. i would interpret as she's not really ready to go back and handle that workload but at that time she did get back on um medication and she was in therapy again um but and so when she went back her program director said you can still graduate on time but your vacations over the next three years will probably be limited Mm -hmm. and there was no discussion of her mental health like what if she had another episode and needed to take more leave Mm -hmm. medical leave um so no talk about that right and didn't didn't the article also say um something about that, like an unspoken condition that if she were to relapse again, like that would just be it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So lo and behold, she did. And she attempted suicide mm-hmm. by taking the rest of her medication. So um, she was on an SSRI, mm-hmm. so, which is a serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. So what this does is it increases the amount of serotonin in your body Mm -hmm. and normally when you take something like this it's okay to take because you're just taking a little bit at one time and it doesn't it it, like doesn't have a huge massive effect but when Mm. you take a lot overdose on it yeah when you overdose on it you can get something called serotonin syndrome and that's just when you have way too much serotonin Mm -hmm. and you're just your body's just like delirious and delirious and like you're your blood pressure goes up. Yeah, yeah, your your heart heart rate's super high. um, And it can be really, really dangerous. And um, so she was in the ICU for four days, or five days maybe. She woke up on the fourth day. And on the fifth day, her program director asked when she would be back. That's that's all he asked. He didn't really ask how she was doing. Mm -hmm. He didn't try to help her make any accommodations. It was just, all right, day five, you're awake. When are you going to be back? Yeah. And of course, you know, taking taking this with the understanding that this is written from the perspective of the father yeah. of the daughter. So, you know, we weren't there. We don't know right. exactly how the situation went down. Yeah. But the fact remains that this is how he, as the father of his daughter who is struggling, this is how he felt. Like, this was the experience that, that he had. Yeah. Um, and any... any time or like anytime as a doctor that you have the opportunity to interact with a patient and their family like you never want to make them feel this way right you want to make them feel supported as we are learning extensively right now so where does that go Mm -hmm. you know it just yeah just crazy so um they did reach out for to the accreditation council for graduate medical education which is a the I think what oversees like residency programs mm-hmm. potentially yeah um and they do technically have a policy about medical leave so they were asking about that and seeing if they could maybe if she could get some medical leave mm-hmm. and um basically what happened is they ended up just like the communication just they said at first yes but there's no way to enforce any of this with residency programs like just like there's no way to enforce like a ninety hour work week right. they just kind of say that to attract medical students who want to join their program and then say, haha, just kidding. You're working 120 hours a week or yeah. more. Maybe. Yeah. So 
long story short, the communication trickled off and, um, they, and throughout this whole process, she heard almost nothing, according to the father again, Mm -hmm. she heard almost nothing from her co-residents, the administration or any of the, uh, attending physicians she was working with. Right. So no one checked in on her, um, to just to see if she was alive and okay. And these are, these are the people that she's, you know, in the trenches with, so to speak. Like these are the people that she's working with every day. And and I feel like it goes beyond just coworkers. You know, they, they, of anyone know what you're experiencing as close as possible to just the super lengthy hours, the, the draining emotional, you know, work that you have to do every single day. Those are the people who could most relate. Yeah. And, to have no one reach out to you in that kind of scenario, no one ask if you're okay, no one ask what they can do to help. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like what that speaks to is a couple of things. One being just like the culture of um, handling mental health in medicine in general, but two, I think almost even more so, maybe they didn't have the capacity, the capacity themselves to reach out. You know, if they are also so emotionally drained, like, do they have the capacity to reach out to their friend? Yeah. Someone that they care about. Right. Well, and I was thinking about, because um, I, I was thinking about that a lot after I read this article, and I was thinking about if I was in the situation of one of her coworkers, co-residents, mm-hmm. and I was working 5 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. or longer every single day, mm-hmm. like, would I go and spend even like 15 minutes and check on her or would I just be like like if that's your day every single day Mm -hmm. I want to say I would do that because that's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. but if you're that exhausted and you're that just like I just need to get through this and I I gotta take care of myself first and foremost because at the end of the day we all do would I actually go and check on her or would I or someone like her in my program Mm -hmm. or would I just be like I gotta get to bed. Yeah. You know, which is like kind of a scary thought almost. It is. Yeah, because you think about, you know, the people in your life that you care about and when you when you get so stretched physically, you know, you, you can't really be thinking about the that second tier of importance in your life, that more emotional level of things until you've met your physical needs, yeah. you know? And then even if you've barely met those physical needs and you're just starting to maybe venture back into this more emotional territory of where you can kind of start, you know, giving your heart out a little bit, it's probably going to go to the people who are really, really close to you first, you know, right. like a husband or a boyfriend or a family member or something, you know, it, it's a little less likely that it's going to be going towards like a co-worker friend, you know, like, yeah. uh, even if they are somebody that you really, really care about, yeah, you know, maybe they are a really close friend, but if you only have so many hours in the day, so many minutes in the day. Yeah. Well, and like, if you think about, let's just say, okay, five to seven thirty, five 5am to 7.30 PM, mm-hmm. that leaves, let's say you have an hour total of commute per day. So that's 15 and a half hours of your day gone. Um, you have to do some eating, hopefully. Maybe you get, like, a 30-minute workout in. How much time does that leave to sleep, too, you mm-hmm. know? Or, like, how much time does that leave to, like, if you are in a relationship or mm-hmm. maybe have a kid, how much time does that leave to, like, spend, t- like, an hour with your family? Right. Yeah. It's just... It's, yeah, I mean, and I think these are all things that, like, I vaguely thought about, you know, when I started applying to med school and thinking if this was the career I wanted and... And, 
you know, you tell yourself like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm going to be able to prioritize what's really important to me when I get to that point in my career. And also you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Like at the time when I chose to pursue medicine, it's like, okay, well, I'm not even accepted into medical school yet. So, right. you know, let the future worry about the future kind of thing. Um, right. But I mean, it, it'd be naive not to consider it at all. You know, it's like, I, I mean, especially kind of for both of us, we kind of made career changes in a way. Yeah. A little bit, you know, just changing direction and really committing to medicine and really having to think about, okay, is this the job we want to pursue? And so I feel like you and I even more so maybe thought about it in a little more detail. Yeah. Well, and that's residency is something I've always been worried about because I haven't always been the most stable with my mental health and, um, sleep is just like really important to me Mm -hmm. and like that's something when I was applying to medical school one of my friends was telling me like if you really need your sleep maybe you shouldn't be a doctor just because of residency Mm. just like even three years of like minimal sleep and always having to be turned on all the time like yeah that's a a lot yeah your brain has is on yeah yeah that's hard and, it is. And I think that's something that maybe isn't as considered as often when it comes to, you know, pursuing a specialty mm-hmm. um, because because of the general culture of medicine being so competitive, I almost feel like, and, you know, I don't know, I can't really speak directly to it because I, we haven't experienced applying to residency programs yet, but it does kind of seem that there is a bit of pressure to apply for the most competitive things, even if it's not necessarily something that you want to do. You know, if you are a really competitive applicant and you have a great step score and you have like, you know, great recommendation letters and stuff like that, you might feel compelled to apply for neuro or something like that, you know, even if it's not something you really want to do. And, and I guess just point being that I don't know if people really truly consider lifestyle as heavily as they should when yeah. it comes to selecting a residency. Well, and I don't know that residencies consider attracting people who they want to make, like, really compassionate doctors. Like, why? Mm. I just don't understand why, like, we don't want to treat people with kindness and like human beings. Um, actually, towards the end of the article, there's a there's an excerpt that I kind of just wanted to read Um, that I thought kind of summarized a lot of problems in our field Mm -hmm. really well. Um, It says, Practitioners in other fields pride themselves on protecting one another. Firefighters race into burning buildings to to rescue trapped comrades. Soldiers brave enemy fire to retrieve the wounded from the battlefield. Yet we, uh, what's that? We purported, purported healers tolerate stacks of body bags filled with our dead colleagues after people like me have failed to understand the depth of their suffering. I just think, like, unfortunately, that summarizes the medical field pretty well. Yeah, I think... I think that's something that is it's hard to put myself in those shoes since we just haven't been there right yet you know yeah um but it is it is a little scary to think about that and think about well I I really hope that's not what it's actually like you know and and again kind of recognizing that the bias of this article kind of the perspective that it's being written from is written from somebody who's been really hurt 
yeah deeply by you know very valid experience you know of course like it makes sense to feel that way after what he and his daughter and his family went through with that um but it it, it's still just like the pressure is on I think for us as medical students you know before we enter into the world as doctors to really try and make that a different culture yeah I agree and I think it starts if not in undergrad like at least in medical school Mm -hmm. you know like keeping an eye out for fellow med students and seeing how they're doing checking in with each other you know if you start building the habits now they think that will translate yeah um and I and I think it's it happens way more often than we even recognize and we even think where people are struggling and having a difficult time with whatever you know it could be very personal stuff it could be um stuff that you know maybe they don't show that they're having any problems you know maybe publicly they're really great at covering stuff up and hiding what they're going through yeah um and if we don't take the time to just take a step back um and you know do do a good look at your life and a good look at your you know your goals and what you're pursuing and check in with yourself and see if you've gotten too caught up in the details with stuff to, that you've neglected friendships you've neglected people you know and and take the time to reach out to friends and see how they're doing because I know especially like there have been times in school where I've just felt really overwhelmed and yeah. I felt like wow I don't know if I can do this I'm really struggling with not just school but with you know things in my personal life or things that just you know randomly popped up and I wasn't expecting to have to deal with yeah and and you know I'm I'm really thankful for like our friendship because I feel like I have somebody right next door that I can go to and be like Kate I'm having a really hard time (laughs) and and I know that I have somebody who's gonna you know be checking in on me and looking out for me you know and yeah and I just I want that to be more of the culture of med school in general and not just something that I'm like wow I feel really lucky that I have that right you know because I mean? also I think it's definitely a privilege to get into medical school because it's um it's hard to do not everyone gets in and I'm really grateful to be here right but I'm also paying them to teach me and I think that gets lost a lot of the time and that could be I think it could be a little bit because a lot of people come to med school right from undergrad, although that culture is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do that, and in undergrad, you're not really thinking about, I'm paying you for me to be here, so <laughs> I should be the one in charge. You know, like, if you're not in charge, but, like, I should be the one calling more of the shots because, like, and in med school, obviously, they know more than you. They've built the curriculum, all right. that stuff. but. Like, at this point, you know, I've worked a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You've worked a few years. Mm-hmm. And we got paid to do a job. And we got paid to have someone else tell us what to do. And, like, you know, you kind of put up with things with work. And, and sometimes it's not amazing. But you deal with it because they're paying you. <laughs> right? Yeah. But this is the other way around. And so it seems to me, like, if that was a little bit more of the mentality like not saying like it should be switched but maybe a little more of a mutual respect because without us their programs would uh cease to exist because they wouldn't have any funding to pay any faculty make a fair point (laughs) (laughs) so I guess that's just what I think is like mutual respect it starts in med school Mm -hmm. hopefully you know it can 
continue through residency. Yeah. And I also feel lucky that we're at a program that has discussions with students about mm-hmm. imp- potential improvements to courses, to overall yeah. program improvements. I feel like we have a lot of opportunity to give feedback and it's taken seriously. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. It's That's been really nice and we've been really lucky, but I don't think all medical schools are like that. I would agree. And I think it's a lot easier at a program like ours where each class is a relatively small size. You know, we're yeah. at most going to be about 50 people a class. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to manage feedback from 50 people than 200 people. You yeah. Because there's yeah. 200 opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. So kind of back to your point about what, about how we are paying for tuition and how that should have an influence on some of the culture of school. I think, um, you know, a lot of programs a big part of how they recruit students, you know, is talking about the things that make their program more attractive and more competitive and more whatever. And, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, I was thinking about the schools that I was looking at, you know, and I I mean, I would have been really thankful to just get in somewhere, you know, and recognize, like you said, the privilege of being able to go to med school. But it's really nice when you feel like the school that you're at or the program that you're in that you're in is is full of faculty that care about you yeah. like that I think could be used as a great selling point for yeah. schools like hey if you come here like we want to make sure that you're going to succeed like we want to help you be the best student that you can be here and the best doctor that you can be yeah. um, and a lot of that has to do with helping you navigate and take care of your mental health because yeah. even even after going through undergrad or going through you know working a job like the rigors of med school are just different yeah and it can it can be really hard to adjust to that even if you are somebody who can manage stress really well and has their stuff under control and you know mentally is on top of it like you could still very easily hit a wall because this is just this is just different yeah you know well and especially residency is just different from anything else well maybe not anything else because I don't know everything out there in the world but like different from most things out there that we just ask of people as humans Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of funny looking at the structure of the career of a doctor compared to pretty much any other normal career like the the professional schools like with law school and med school and stuff you know it's like you you go to undergrad for four years and then everybody else after that gets a job. <laughs> and then in med school, you're going to do, you do another four years of school. And then after four years of school, you know, everybody else who went to undergrad with you has been working for four years and they're getting paid, yeah. you know, and then and they've after been that, getting paid for four years. Yeah. And a lot of them have been getting paid a lot higher than what you will probably be getting paid as a resident yeah. and working more normal hours and getting more normal vacation time. And, you know, you start working as a resident and you start celebrating, you know, a normal weekend of like you get Saturday and Sunday off like woohoo oh, maybe, maybe <laughs> you get Saturday maybe and yeah off. if you get like that's like a, a point of celebration it's like wow it's like basically a vacation you know and I'm not I'm not trying to complain before we even get there because uh, like again as as much as I can reiterate it like it is such a privilege to be in this position and to have have the future that we have of getting to serve as doctors. Like I think that is just, you know, first and foremost, something that we need to be recognizing every day as an incredible privilege. Um, but at the same time, like a job is still a job yeah. and you working that job, you still like, you need to be taking care of yourself and the people who are employing you should be considering that too. Yeah. You know, 
like to have the best doctors you want them to be well taken care of you know mental health it, like strongly strongly included in that statement yeah well because you can't be a whole human without good mental health yeah yeah and I, again I think the culture is starting to change like there's a lot more push for residents to like be considered as humans <laughs> at a basic level for residents to get paid more um to work f- like fewer hours even like push for 80 hours I think mm-hmm. now so it's not to say there's not like hope for the field and mm-hmm. things like that so that's that's good but I think it's also like I think maybe physicians need and maybe through all this training physicians have just become so bitter about things that it's like well I went through that so you're gonna go through that too because that's yeah. another big bit of a hazing culture right. yeah <laughs> that's another big thing in medical culture is like I did this really hard thing, so you have to do it too, otherwise you're not, like, like I'm not going to look at you the same. Oh, Which, yeah. That was something that I kind of thought about when reading the article, was just feeling like if if you were to have an experience like the woman um, physician did about, you know, struggling with your mental health and needing to take that step back from what you're doing, um, feeling like everyone else in the field is looking at you as if you are not cut out to be a doctor. Right. Even though you have the mental, or even though you have the education and you have learned everything that you need to learn, or not, you know, you're learning every day, but you are, you are in this same position as everybody else who went to that same school as you did and went through the same program that you did. You were just as, you know, equipped educationally for the position, but just because you are struggling with something more, you know, with with your mental health, like it makes it seem like you're not capable of being a doctor and that's like that's where I think it really needs to change because if if we're going to say somebody's not capable of a job because the job itself is causing them to have, you know, struggles with depression, like maybe we need to reevaluate the, the structure of the job. Yeah. Because it's it's not something that's a one off, you know. Like if this if this were happening way 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 less frequently, it's like okay, yeah. I mean, the, some jobs are definitely going to be like being a doctor. It's going to be more mentally taxing than mm-hmm. a lot of other jobs, and yeah. that I mean that is really really important to consider. Recognizing especially between specialties, you know, yeah, you could easily go into a specialty that has, you know way worse patient outcomes and if that's something that like just statistically and if that's something that's really hard for you to manage like you need to think about that right but but that doesn't mean that it should just be totally accepted that the rigors of the job you know just will ultimately be causing havoc on your mental health like that's not something that I think should be just totally accepted yeah well because then you can't serve patients right and at the end of the day that's That's our job the job (laughs) yeah so well, you know, hopefully, like we said, we can kind of be part of that shift in culture. As, yeah, that's as what students. I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah, gonna be a part of the new, the new wave per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I hope so too. But anyway, yeah, we'll so. uh, we'll link the article for you guys to read. Um, it's a really, really great article. Um, pretty short, pretty easy to get through quickly, um, but just provided some good, you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>